Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us. And may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. Hey. Hey, listen. Um, which of these two ties do you prefer with this? You only want to ask about the ties? You, you feel good about all, all of this? Yeah, do you not like the ties? No, I'm not a blazing hot new Dorito. What? <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to say... No, I am not going for a young Cuban Kris Kringle look. No, I'm not. The pocket's not real. It actually doesn't go down all the way, so yes, I had to safety pin it. This is foreign. It's Italian, actually, and the guy's trunk had a bunch of these shirts in his Fiat. No, you didn't just say that. Ketchup bottle? Yeah, that's hilarious. I do so have a figure for this outfit, and you know it! You are just gorgeous, and I love you, but you are so mean! I have offered you my soul, and you have crushed it! Beige, this one? Yeah. Okay. okay, guys, I want you to say this with me because for the next four weeks, this is what we're going to be talking about me and my big mouth. All right, but I mean it. Like, actually say it with me, like we're in school. So repeat with me, repeat after me. Me and my big mouth. You, uh, there are some people whose mouths are small and closed right now, and I need you to say this. Say it again. One, two, three. Me and my big mouth. And the reason why I've asked every single one of us to say it is that this is not about your mom and her big mouth, and this is not about your boss and his big mouth, or your sister and her big mouth. This is about, let's say it together, me and my big mouth mouth. Now we know that we are in for an awesome time together. We heard this series preached at a church that we partner with over in the States, and we were like, this is too good for us to miss. We want Grace Family Church to hear this message. So if you know Andy Stanley and North Point, we are so grateful that they put this series together and that we get to learn from it. Now, for those of you who are watching online, we're so glad you're here. We know that sometimes the internet can go down. And, and I know it's been a long weekend, and maybe some of you are feeling a little drowsy, like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, this is the part where I can just chill out. And so I want to give you the bottom line for the whole of this next month together. I want to give you the most important thing, because this is the one thing I hope you remember, whether you check out now or in about half an hour. And that is this. Quick to listen, slow to speak. 
That's the one thing. This is the bottom line. And again, if, if you're not a Christian, if you're kind of checking out church, um, you know, if people kind of say, have, have put you off Christianity and you're here with a little bit of curiosity, this is just good advice. It doesn't matter who says it or where you hear it from. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And uh, I'm going to get you to really get into this because I want this to land for all of us. So can you put your hands together like this? Like you're having an argument with someone right now, and you can picture them if you like. You can, you can see their face, and they're just at you. You know that person? Tom, I see you watching online, babe. And, uh, and I want you to put your hands like this, and we're going to do this. Um, if, you're, if you are online and you're like driving your car or something, you just focus, focused, okay? You don't just imagine that you're doing this. But we're going to go quick to listen, slow to speak. Can we do that together? Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. All right. Now, why did we do that? Why did I just make you do all that cheesy stuff? Like, you're like, Jess, that's Tom's jam. Like, he makes us repeat things to each other. You're so much more chill. And I'm like, I know, but this time I can't let it go. You see, when we are in conflict with someone, when we're in an argument, when we're having one of those discussions where we're having a go at each other and you can just tell that this person is not listening to you and they don't understand where you're coming from, this is what happens to us. It's actually a biological reaction to conflict is that we close up. And when we close up like this, our ears close up, our brain closes up, our heart closes up. And that is why so often we find ourselves having these arguments, and the next thing, <laughs> me and my big mouth says something I regret. And really, what all of us are longing for when we're, when, we're, when we're like this, when we're feeling like we're shutting down, is that we want the other person to hear us. Most of us want to feel understood by the people that we're talking to, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in, you know, you're at the store or you're in a restaurant or you're talking to your family members, we are longing to feel heard and feel understood. And we, we're hoping that we're going to have conversations where we say, hey, you know what? We may never agree on this. We may never have the same perspective on this decision at work or on not subjects I should choose when I finish school. We may never agree if he's right for me or she's right for me. But could you at least listen? Could you at least hear me and even better understand me? And so that is why it is so critical for every single one of us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now this is a game-changing idea. And I'm absolutely convinced that if we can absorb this and take it with us out there into our relationships and our workplaces and every conversation we have, there is nothing that we can't do. Now, if you grew up in church, then you're probably thinking, Jess, you didn't steal this from Andy Stanley at North Point. He stole this from, from Scripture. And you're right, because it comes straight out of the book of James. And the interesting thing about James is that James didn't really show up in the story of Jesus in the Gospels, because James was Jesus' brother, like his actual 
biological brother. Now, I want you to imagine growing up with Jesus as your big brother. Like, you think your big brother thinks he knows everything. <laughs> and he's like, dude, you're not the son of God. You're the son of Joseph, our dad. And so James doesn't show up in the beginning of Jesus' story. It's because he didn't believe him. He thought, this guy's crazy. But something happened. And that something was that James was standing at the foot of the cross with his mother, Mary, and he saw his brother die. And then a few days later, he was on the beach having breakfast with the resurrected Christ. And something changed. And maybe you've been kind of put off church and you're not sure if all this is real, but think about that for a minute. Think about a man who was skeptical enough to, to kind of see his brother claim to be the son of God and something convinced him that he was. So James was actually martyred for his faith much like his brother. He was so convinced that his brother Jesus was right about who he said he was and that he did actually get resurrected, that he was willing to die himself. But before he was killed for his faith, James wrote a letter to the church that he was leading. In fact, he went from skeptic so if you showed up in Jerusalem in about A.D. 62, you would have found James, the brother of Jesus, leading the church. You know, I don't know if he was preaching, if he was like on the guitar or what he was doing, but he was leading that church. And before he was killed in a political maneuver between the Jewish leaders who were threatened by this growing early church of Christians, before he was stoned to death, he wrote this letter to this community. And in this letter... You can hear the urgency he feels. It's like he knew he had a short amount of time to leave this group of people with, with something that could change their lives forever. And this is what he said. He wrote in his letter, everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen. And if you think about it, it's kind of an odd phrase. Like how, how can you quickly listen, like can you speed up your hearing? But James is putting these words together because he's saying, guys, the first thing you do when you get out of the gates, the first thing you do in a conversation, your number one priority, the thing I want you to do quickly, this is it, is listen. And let's be honest, we, we all want that from the person we're speaking to. It's exactly what every single one of us is longing for, is for someone to listen. And so James is basically saying, hey guys, do you, do you want people to listen to you? Yeah, I do. Do you, do you want to feel understood? Yeah, I would really like that. And then he says, okay, then be quick to listen and slow to speak. And literally, what he's saying here is be late with your word. Hit that pause button. Wait and be late. Now, I hate being late. Like, in every sense, I hate being late for stuff. One of my greatest accomplishments was getting my useless friends from Varsity to a 21st on time. And I did it by telling them it started an hour early than it really did. And I got them there before it even began because I hate to be late. But it shows up in my language, too. It shows up when someone's talking and I'm kind of waiting for them to just take a breath so I can get my opinion in. 
It shows up because I, my brain is actually coming up with sentences instead of listening to theirs. And James is saying, Jess, don't do that anymore. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be late with your words. And if you're going to say anything in a conversation that's tense, that's difficult, that's challenging, if you're going to say anything, then be curious. Ask a question. Now, this feels really counterintuitive because when someone is going on and on and on and on, the last thing you want to do is, hey, can you tell me more about that? Because <laughs> some of you know the person you're thinking of right now, oh, man, they can just go down a whole nother, like rabbit trail. They're like, oh, wow, okay, here we go. <laughs> and it might feel like the last thing you want to do, but it is our responsibility to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And here's why. Because the longer they speak and the quicker I listen, the more I'll learn. The longer I let them speak, the more curious I am, the more I press pause button on all that stuff that's going through my head, the more I will learn. And if it doesn't make sense to you, just put yourself on the other side of this conversation. I mean, those of you who are parents, how much would you pay for your kids to listen to you? I would pay a lot because my kids do not listen to me. I, 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 would, I would love my kids. In fact, actually, you know what? If you're a high schooler, if you're a teenager here, and you really want to freak your parents out, Next time, they're giving you the mom talk or the dad talk, and they're just like, nah, 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 this is what you should be doing with your life, nah, nah, all that stuff. Do this. Go like, dad, dad, I really want to understand more about what you're saying to me. <laughs> Honestly. And then when you pick them up off the floor, you say, dad, how, like, tell me more about that. What else do you think? I'm telling you. Okay, but just wait a few weeks so they didn't know I told you to do that. Like, you know what I mean? I just let them But honestly, you will. You will be blown away at what happens when somebody says, can you tell me more about that? Can you explain a little bit more about why you feel that way or why you think that? Why? Because nobody does that. We argue and argue and argue. And if we can learn to hit pause to be late with our words and be curious. If we can ask questions and we can learn, then everything changes. Everything changes. Now, I feel like this is really hard advice because I am so bad at this. When I was preparing the sermon and sitting there reading through all these notes and kind of getting my thoughts together, I was like, this is not easy. In fact, my biggest mistakes as a parent, as a wife, as a sister, as a colleague, Paul, thanks for being kind to me, all those meetings where I just shut you down. But I know the biggest mistakes and the times where I've had to apologize the most is where I have been quick to speak and slow to listen. And if you're in a relationship dynamic, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, and you just feels like you're going around in circles and you can't break that cycle, 
So often it's because we have forgotten that we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Andy Stanley says, parents, we gotta know this. Husbands and wives, we gotta know this. If you have people working for you on your team, the, the, your fellow students that you study with and you're trying to get a project done, we gotta know this because here's the deal. We can write someone right out of the door. You can be exactly right. Your advice can be right. Your answer can be right. Your analysis of the situation can be right. Your opinion can be right and you can write somebody right out of the door. Oh, I won the argument, but you know what? You lost the relationship. Oh, what happened to her? She was so cool. No, but you know what? I was right. Where is she now? <laughs> She's gone. Oh, that rock star employee on your, on your team, you can write them right out of the door. I know I have seen it on people's faces where I am so right. I am giving them the best advice of their lives. <sighs> and they've just glazed over. And James says, Jess, it's because... You're not being quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, if we can get those two ideas right, if we can learn to hit the pause button, to be late with our words, to be curious and ask questions if and when we do actually speak, then this next part of what he wrote in his letter to the church can come really easy to us. He says, everybody needs to be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Oh, this is hard. This is hard because people push our buttons. We get angry. I don't know who pushes your buttons. Maybe it's your partner or your sister or your parents, whatever. But when they push that button, ooh, it reveals everything that's inside you, and it comes out. And anger in this context, anger in this context is it's really interesting because he's basically saying that this kind of anger is anger that is drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. How to mess up a relationship? Draw a hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusion. That is what happens when we're not quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, we, we show up angry in different ways. I explode. I'm like a volcano. It is not, you know, ambiguous how I feel about the situation. My husband, Tom, on the other hand, is like Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> he is cold and he is distant. And I'm like, hey, are you, are you okay? What's wrong? No, everything's fine. What's wrong? Nothing. And he's literally like, let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. I tell you, that is the man I live with. But whether you are like passive, aggressive, icy and controlling, nothing's wrong. Or whether you just, you know, pop and scream and shout and say stuff and afterwards you're like, what just happened? That anger... James is saying, guys, that is not good for your relationships. Tom and Jess, that is not doing your marriage any favors. So how do we be slow to anger? How do we stop ourselves from drawing 
you know, hasty, misinformed conclusions. Relationally, we have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Instead of being moody and sulky, James is saying the longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you'll be. I'm going to say that again. It's like a formula. The longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you will be. And that is how it works. And the reason why it works, now this is really important. If, you, if you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, you don't have to do it here because this is so obvious. This is really, really obvious. The reason why James know this, that this works is because everything that everyone does makes sense to them. Everything that everyone does makes sense to them. And so we may not understand why they're saying that, why they're doing that, why they're acting that way. But if we listen and we learn, we will understand that everything everyone does makes sense to them. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. Everything everyone believes makes sense to them. And that is why we are a church that says, come as you are. You have good reasons for believing what you believe. You have good reasons for the doubts you have about God or church or faith because everyone, they, what they believe makes sense to them. And so when we catch ourselves thinking, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know why they believe that. The truth is we are the ones who need to listen longer so we can understand more so that we are slow to anger. Can you see how the formula works? Can you feel how it would change things in your relationship, in your workplace, with your family and your friends? I think this all the time. I'm often like, why would you do that? Why? My friend Sia always says, Jess, why are you like this? Why are you like this, Jess? And you know, we go through Facebook and we're like, why would people spank their kids? Why would you vote for that party? Why would you want to study that? Why would you want to go out with that person? Everything everyone does makes sense to them. And so we are the ones who need to learn in a relationship or in a conversation what is going on. And that requires questions, not lectures. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. When we understand why people are doing what they're doing, it's a lot easier to control our emotions, and our anger. Now, if we stopped here, that would be fine, that would be good, and maybe if you're new to church, you'd be like, oh, that's cool, they like went really quickly through the Jesus stuff and gave me some good advice. <laughs> I'm out. But it gets better. <laughs> it gets better because we're not just reading wisdom or self-help or good advice here. James was the brother of Jesus. He saw some stuff, he knew some stuff, and, and he knew that it's almost impossible for us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to be angry without Jesus helping us, without the presence of God giving us something we can't do on our own. And so James, who saw his brother resurrected, is like, guys, this is bigger than just your relationship being okay. 
Yes, that's awesome. But this is bigger than that. He says, James says that there is a divine agenda attached to this wisdom. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because, here's the why, because human anger that results from talking all the time and not listening and not understanding each other, human anger does not produce, cultivate, or, or, or result in the righteousness that God desires. Human anger that comes from being, from being misunderstood, from not listening, from, from drawing hasty conclusions, that kind of anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You see, in every conversation, in every conflict, in every team, in, in every relationship, there are three agendas. There's my agenda, there's the other person's agenda, and there is God's agenda. There's my right because I'm always right. And there's their right, because they know they're right. And then there's God's right. And we try to create our own rightness. The, the Bible uses a word righteousness, but it's kind of loaded and old-fashioned. It literally means rightness. And none of those rightnesses are right. God says, neither of your rights are right. That's what it means. I... I know that so often I approach situations with, with this, and this is what rightness means. It means I know I'm right. I want you to know I'm right. I want everybody to know I'm right. That is self-righteousness. And every single one of us have been in conversations where we can, there is self-righteousness just oozing from the person. It is, ugh. James says, guys, let's be honest. You know what we keep doing? We keep being right at each other, but God wants us to be right with each other. We want to be right at each other, but God wants to make us right with each other. When we win an argument, we, we don't win anything. We don't win anything. And we can write somebody right out of the door. And, and, and James is saying to this community of Christians, this church, he's saying, guys, that's not the kind of rightness Jesus came for. Jesus didn't come so you could be right at each other. Jesus came so we could be right with each other. God isn't on your side or your side. God doesn't take sides. He comes to take over our lives and make us right with him and with each other. And the interesting thing is, when you go through the story of Jesus, when you read through the Gospels, it becomes very clear very quickly that Jesus didn't come to be right. If Jesus came to be right, the, the Bible would be like this long, because he would have got everyone together, and it would have taken about 30 minutes, and he would have said, guys, this is how it works, got it, got it, end of story, ask your stupid questions, handle it, done. But that's not what Jesus did. That's not why he got crucified. Because Jesus didn't come to be right. He came to reconcile. Reconcile us to God. Reconcile people to each other. And as followers of Jesus, 
that's what we're called to do. And James is reminding us that that is why we are here. And that is what following Jesus produces in our lives. Rightness that is rightness with God, not rightness at one another. Because that's not unity. That's not reconciliation. That's not oneness. So as we close, how do we do this? Jess, how do we be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to, be ang- to, to get angry? And James is like, I've told you guys how this works. Okay, there's, there's no, there is no right if you're not right with each other. And, and, and this is how it works. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Ugh, that sounds ick. But that moral filth is the self-righteousness that I'm right and I want everyone to know I'm right thing. And, and, and James actually says, take it off. Take off moral filth. Take off the coat that you walk around with saying, I'm right. And if you looked at the label, it'd be like, I'm always right. (laughs) Take it off. You know why? Because being right at one another is the root of all immorality and moral filth. All the stuff in our lives that is destructive, that tears us apart, it comes from this self-righteousness. And he says, take it off. How often does violence between people start with words, with someone insisting they're right? How often does breakdown and destructiveness and unethical behavior in the workplace start with someone talking? Take off that moral filth. Take off that that I'm right that escalates and escalates and escalates and makes people do and say crazy stuff. And James says, you know what? Take off the evil the desire to harm, the desire to get back, the desire for revenge, take it off. And here's the alternative, and this is what helps us to do this, and put on humility. He says, humbly accept the word implanted in you. And humility is that we are more important than me. Humility is what keeps us reconciled and right with each other and listening to others. And this is the beautiful thing that he says. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Because James knows we don't just need to be saved for eternity, but we need our relationships to be saved. This word that is implanted in us, the humility to listen, to be late with our words, to be curious, to take off that coat of self-righteousness, and I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, it can save you from getting fired. It can save you from losing a relationship. It can save your relationship with your son or your daughter. It can save you from apologizing again and again. It can save you from regretful words. It can save you from acting out in anger and living with the consequences of that. It can save you from divorce. And that's what Jesus came to do. And what James says is accept. Accept Jesus' rightness, not ours. So here's the whole thing. Let me put this back together. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, wrote. 63 years after Jesus was born, he said, My dear brothers and sisters, 
take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. And guys, God longs for us to be right with each other, not at each other. Therefore, take off the moral filth of I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Get back to the basic truth of Jesus' model that he gave us, which can save you. Now, I don't know what's happened in your relationship. I don't know what words from your past are still hanging over you today. I don't know what you've said in anger or what's been done in anger to you, but I know, I know that Jesus came to make us right with God and with each other. Don't settle for being right. Make things right. Perhaps to evening you want to make things right with God. Because the beautiful thing about Jesus is that Jesus did this. Jesus came to us as a baby who was speechless. No words, no voice. And for 30 years, Jesus lived the human experience. For 30 years, Jesus experienced the sorrow, the disappointment, the challenges, the funerals, the persecution. Jesus was late. He waited. And when he started to speak, people flocked to him. Why? Because they felt like he understood. He understood. In fact, the Bible tells us that when people heard Jesus, they said, this guy's not like the other teachers of the law. He understands us. And Jesus invites us to follow him and those who did changed the world and that invitation is here for every single one of us today to accept the rightness of Jesus to be made right in our relationships with each other and to be made right with God not through our effort not through our performance but by accepting humbly the grace and the love of Jesus Won't you stand as we close? Jesus, we thank you that you you liked people who were nothing like you and they knew that and they liked you back. And those ordinary people, even your own skeptical brother, went on to follow you and change the world because because of your grace, because you understand us, because you listen and you know. And God, we, we wanna do that with each other too, but we can't do that without your presence in our lives. Help us, God, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. 
Help us to let go of being right and to ask questions and to see the other person's perspective. Where there is brokenness and where there is division and where there is hurt and where there has been so much pain. We ask that your love would make things right again. Help us to do this as we go from this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.